Welcome to the Voice of Retail. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc. This podcast is brought to you in conjunction with Retail Council of Canada. In the heat of the pandemic, furniture experienced a massive boom in demand since everyone wanted to freshen up their homes. Today, we're joined by Bob Sherwin, head of North American Marketing at Wayfair. Gives us a glimpse of what it was like dealing with such a massive increase in demand in such a short amount of time, plus thoughts on what comes next. Be prepared for a lot of different changes in demand patterns, particularly as like we, we saw that in 2020, but then coming on the, hopefully on the back half of 2021, you know, that we have the, you know, a lot of people in the population, hopefully everyone that wants a vaccine will have had a vaccine. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, we're going to see shifts in demand patterns. Um, there's going to be some things that stick in COVID. Hopefully people continue to enjoy their homes as they have been during COVID, as they've been forced to. But I think there's going to be a lot more like surges in demand, you know, to, to higher levels for for going out to eat. Make sure and tune into Bob's presentation, Commerce Next, February 3rd. He'll be discussing measurement and attribution strategies to inform your marketing efforts. But for now, let's listen into his advice to retailers. Two starts, one stop, heading into 2021. Bob, welcome to the Voice of Retail podcast. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a real treat to have you on the podcast. I literally this week placed my first order from Wayfair, and it's total coincidental. We were looking for an item, and there it was. I try. It's funny, funny story. I tried to place one in the summer, and you know the weirdness of the demand. I, I didn't get it fast enough. It was got you know an outdoor thing. So uh, I'm I'm thrilled that I was able to uh, experience your site firsthand. But uh, but again, welcome to the podcast. Let's jump right in. We kind of already have, but tell me a little bit about yourself and, and your background and, and what you do at Wayfair. Yeah, great. Yeah, well, thank you for placing that order. Um, and hopefully the uh, the delivery is smooth and you're very satisfied with the actual item once it arrives, um, if it hasn't already. Generally, they, they arrive very quickly, so hopefully it has. Uh, so who, I, who am I? Um, so I lead, um, I have the pleasure of leading our marketing department at Wayfair. Uh, so I've been here for about seven and a half years, and um, and you know I support that entire organization. And <clears throat> what that entails is basically supporting the growth, uh, building both awareness, our customer base, understanding uh, of our brands for for all of our brands and offerings. Um, so Wayfair is our mass uh, offering. Um, it's we have over ten million products in, on that catalog. Um, it's basically for all styles, all price points and budgets, um, very, very deep catalog. Um, and then we also have a number of specialty brands, um, all modern Birch Lane and, Par- uh, and, uh, and Jocelyn Maine, and then a luxury brand called Paragold. <clears throat> we have a number of other offerings like a B2, uh, B2B business and a bridal registry. Um, so these are all things that, you know, my organization is charged with, you know, building awareness for and, uh, you know, growing the business. Well, you said, what did you say? Seven years. You must have, how old is the business? That must be pretty close to the genesis of the business, right? Um, well, technically like the, the two founders, so we're still founder led. Uh, they began um, on this journey back in 2002. The Wayfair brand was officially launched in 2011. 2011, 2012 is when that really got going. And I joined about a year after that. And then some of these other brands that I, I mentioned um, existed slightly prior to that. Jocelyn made an all modern, for example, whereas Birch Lane and Paragold and our B2B offering really came to came to life after uh, the Wayfair brand launch. And were those uh, other brands, the specialty brands, if I can call it, though, were they organically 
driven or were they acquisition or kind of a mix of both? They, they, they were all, no, they were all um, internally driven. So one of the benefits of our like massive catalog for the Wayfair brand is that we have, you know, we found that there was, while that's all things to like all people, uh, we found that there was an unmet need for some of these more, um, you know, specialty niche styles. And, and so what we could do to get them going is really just curate from the massive Wayfair catalog to start. And we found that there was a significant demand for these more niche audiences um, that wanted that curated uh, experience um, because they had a very clear style perspective themselves. And these brands um, <clears throat> could, could map nicely to those styles. And you came out of uh, a bit of the consulting world, right? You were in McKinsey. I, I, I'm having the opportunity. I'm just reading his advanced copy now. Hubert Jolie, who ran Best Buy, kind of continuing that that proud tradition of moving from McKinsey into being an operator. That that was your background prior to just prior to arrival, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. I did uh, my my entire career prior to coming here was in consulting, and and you know used the term operator. That is exactly what I was craving you really, it's hard to get that and hard to simulate that exactly in a consultant role. Um, and I wanted to try my hand at it. And uh, Wayfair was willing to put me in a position where I could be an operator from day one. And I never looked back because it's been a blast because you still have all the great benefits of working at a firm like McKinsey, where you're surrounded by extremely smart people. You know, you're working on very challenging problems um, you're thinking about short-term operations, but then also long-term strategy. But you have the benefit, and uh, and for me, it's really rewarding to get to have a little more skin in the game, and, and not just counseling someone else, but actually like following your own advice and and getting to see that through, and you know, reaping the rewards when things go well, and getting to try it again when things you know sometimes things inevitably don't go so well. One last question just about the operations around Wayfair. Do you ship, I, obviously I'm in Toronto, uh, so you obviously ship the Wayfair brand to Canada. Is is it the case you ship internationally? Give me a sense of where you ship to in the world. And I guess a, fo- a quick follow-up question. I believe you had a store, but that now has been closed. So just touch on those couple of things for me, just about Wayfair sure, itself. Yeah, where we have operated, so I'm, I mentioned our family of brands. Mm. Um, those are all based in the U.S., but we also have... Um, Wayfair um, online presence and, and delivery and a very robust catalog in Canada, Germany, and the UK. And, and so for each of those um, countries that we operate in, we have a lot of in-house, you know, we, we try to get as much of the product that we sell on those sites in our warehouses that are uh, within those countries. Uh, we find that's the best model and, and for both us, but also for the customer because it allows us to get them the products as quickly as possible. Yeah, right on. In fact, your warehouse is not too far from where I am. I've, I've driven by it once or twice. So yeah, that's that's cool. So all right, well, listen, so the same question I've been asking for all the folks here on the Commerce Next virtual stage coming up, uh, is it February 4th, I think? We're recording here in late January. So give me a sense, based on your experience and, and uh, your thoughts on the way business is happening in the COVID era, pre-COVID and the before time and post-COVID, two starts and one stop advice to the retailers listening from your perspective? Sure. For, for anyone who wants it, um, what I would say uh, for two starts, one of those would be to, you know, coming off of this year where there was just tremendous change and like these massive macro events uh, that required us all to be very nimble and, and quite re- very quickly react and think about how we need to adjust our operations to ensure we were, you know, 
mitigating the downside risks and taking advantage of all this in our category, this massive spike in demand. Yeah. So yeah. I think in 2020, we it was a great year for us to really get operationally disciplined and, and be nimble and, and all that. So in 2021, what I want to make sure, you know, what I would advise everyone to do is keep some of that discipline, right? Keep some of that, uh, you know, the, the good stuff that came from that. But then um, start investing again more in the long-term strategy. You know, oftentimes when you are, I think about this, there's always this constant tension and then you want to always check to make sure you're striking the right balance between being operationally excellent, yeah. you know, day in and day out. And then thinking about the long-term horizon and what are the capabilities or platforms that you want to be building that may not benefit you for days, weeks, months, may take over a year to do. And uh, so what I would say is start doing is st or, or restart uh, working on those longer term efforts. I, you know, I, I've described the, the COVID era for retailers as either being hit by a shockwave of demand or a sledgehammer of closures. And I know from firsthand experience, the, the demand that you guys must have faced in, in all sorts of categories uh, must have just been cha so challenging for your operations. And, you know, the thing that struck me, and maybe it was your experience as well, is is in the early days of the COVID crisis, you know, we were all worried about liquidity in the very early days and started, you know, cutting back on purchase orders. And that, that supply chain is harder to stop or harder to start up than it is to uh, than it is to stop. So congratulations on that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was a, it was a very, you know, interesting year for sure, but very, you know, productive. We're really proud and and fortunate to have such a great customer service team that could really did a lot of heavy lifting to keep up with that demand and do the best job we could and um, continuing to deliver on a great customer promise, as well as our logistics teams uh, who are actually, you know, charged with moving the products and all that. Yeah. The other thing I would say to start doing is, uh, you know, really be prepared for a lot of different changes in demand patterns, particularly as like we, we saw that in 2020, but then coming on the, hopefully on the back half of 2021, you know, that we have the, you know, a lot of people in the population, hopefully everyone that wants a vaccine will have had a vaccine. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, we're going to see shifts in demand patterns. Um, there's going to be some things that stick in COVID. Hopefully people continue to enjoy their homes as they have been during COVID, as they've been forced to. But I think there's going to be a lot more like surges in demand, you know, to, to higher levels for for going out to eat and different, you know, social activities and things like that. So all the, thing, all the things we're missing now, travel, all the, all the stuff we're not doing. Right. Exactly. I don't think it'll just go back to the same average like mm -hmm. baseline that it was in 2019. I think there's going to be some of those categories that um, all that pent up demand, people are going to be eating out more than they used to potentially. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And for the stop. You know, one thing that we are thinking a lot about, and, and, and we always have, but we're being much more deliberate, is around like inclusivity and how we as marketers can ensure that we're being extremely thoughtful and, and uh, creating a, you know, inclusive marketing playbook. And one of the things I would say, you know, I'd, I would encourage everyone to stop doing is leveraging personas and, and, and over leveraging personas, let's say. They can be a very helpful tool to onboard team members and make sure they understand the brand and who the average customer is. But the, the, the average customer either doesn't exist or looks and feels very different to some of your great customers as well. So one of the things we're really trying to do is be mindful and, um, you know, in, in the language we use to describe our customer and ensure we're reminding everyone that, that there's many, many, many profile types that are shopping our brands. 
um, and that we shouldn't over-index on anyone when we're designing our creative or thinking about landing page experiences or any of that. That's interesting from your perspective is, is in other words, how not to get too carried away with hyper-segmentation, right? You, you are a mass accessible, accessible brand and you're, you're, you're creative and, and thinking needs to reflect that, yeah? That's right. Yeah, you, yeah you, you want to be you know, something for everyone, but you don't want to be so specific that you alienate any, any one group. Yeah, at the same time, you have to stand for something, though, right? I mean, you got to Goldilocks that uh, that formula, so to speak. That's right. Yeah, it's a it's a it's not an easy task. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, all right. So you're on the virtual stage of Commerce Next coming up. Uh, what are you going to be talking about? What are you going to be doing? Yeah, so uh, very excited about the the panel um, that we're, I'm going to be sitting on. Uh, we're going to be discussing measurement and attribution. So mm-hmm. how do you uh, create really strong feedback loops? to help inform um, your marketing strategy, uh, to help confirm what's working well and you know, derive insights um, around things that you should be doing more of and things that you should be doing less of as it relates to uh, the impact that it's actually having on the business and you know, ideally increasing the customer's propensity to purchase. Right on, right on. Well, trying to solve the attribution riddle is, uh, could be a whole conference in, in and amongst itself, so it sounds like a great panel. Yeah, I'm really thrilled that they've pulled together a great group of people, all with, you know, very strong perspectives, uh, different areas of expertise. And yeah. so I'm happy to participate in that and share some of our learnings and provide some insights uh, that we've found over our like endless journey of continuing to improve our attribution methods. All right. Well, right on. Well, I'll look forward to that. And, and there, there'll be a link in the show notes uh, to register. It's free for retailers and uh, a modest charge for those who are uh, our partners in retail. So uh, look for that. And, and Bob, thanks for taking uh, time out of your day here on a, on a Friday to chat with The Voice of Retail. It's been a real pleasure to, to get to know you a little bit and, and uh, hear your perspectives. And I wish you uh, a, a great weekend and, and uh, be safe and continued success. Sounds great. Thanks for the time, Michael. Today's podcast is one of the last of a series of Commerce Next episodes that have featured some of the fantastic speakers that took the stage January 20th, 27th, and still yet to come February 3rd with snapshot insights into how they dealt with online e-commerce in the first year of the COVID era and lessons learned for the future. You can learn more and register for Commerce Next at commercenext.com. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of The Voice of Retail. Be sure and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on the latest episodes, industry news, and insights If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a rating and review as it really helps us grow so that we continue to get amazing guests onto the show. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc, president of Emmy LeBlanc Company, Inc. And if you're looking for more content or want to chat, follow me on LinkedIn. Visit my website at meleblanc.co. Until next time, stay safe and have a great week. 